at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Well, hello, everybody. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. It is Friday, March 31st, 2023. And today is the final day of the first quarter of this year. Final day. So how did the first quarter go? Nothing stands still, everybody. The stock market always changes, just like the economy changes. And, yeah, there are long periods where it doesn't. But, man, not these days, not the last few couple of years. Last year and this year, things have changed dramatically, especially in the, the, in the interest rate sphere. And that has changed a lot in how we look at our investments. That made us, you know, much more focused on what's going on in our investments. And we're going to talk about that, exposures to interest rates. Okay, we're going to talk about that today. As I said, I'm Steve Pease, and I'm here today on this radio and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategy and decisions by providing you with information, by trying to, you know, both of us learn from talking to each other. Your questions help me learn. But also, I'm hoping that my answers educate you more and more and more on how the market works. I mean, it's never a, per- a perfect scenario. Everybody thinks that, oh, the economy is strong, therefore the stock market goes up. Not necessarily. You know, and the market always looks forward. If I can get you to understand one thing, the market looks forward. It, you invest in the wind, looking out the windshield, not looking at the rear view mirror. A lot of people look at past performance and think that's going to happen in the future. That's not how it works. So, this is Invest Talk, and in Invest Talk, we are always very careful to provide you with unbiased answers, straight, straight from the facts that we can pick out quickly from our software. Information, honest, straightforward information. That's what we want to do. Okay, we don't have a hidden agenda. We don't try to push anything. That's not what we're here for. We just want you to learn. And while you're learning, we're learning too. So we really appreciate the questions that you ask. And remember, there's no question that's too simple. Some people are afraid to ask a question. Well, that's a, that's a stupid question. Everybody probably knows the answer. I just don't know. No, if you don't, you know, you don't know the answer. Lots of people don't know the answer, even if it is a simple question. So don't be afraid to call, even with the simplest financial question. Call. I want you to call. Please call. Okay. So we're going to lead another day here, another lesson. And I want to talk to you about whatever is on your mind, as long as it's financial. And that way, we all become successful or more successful investors, okay? So your your financial questions drive the show, and therefore, you got to call. 888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. 
And we've got a lot of material to cover today, like we do every day. My focus point, why credit risk suddenly matters for bond fund investors. Before, it's all about interest rate risk. Now, credit risk is an issue. How good are these bonds? Not whether they'll pay or not, but how good are they? And can they pay? Will they pay what they say they're going to pay? That's credit risk. Interest rate risk means that the value of these bonds go down or up based on what the Fed and is put where the Fed, how the Fed is pushing on interest rates. And that's what we've been dealing with all last year and the beginning of this year. But now we're dealing with some credit risk. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. I got other things we want to talk about. There's some economic numbers, uh, consumer sentiment numbers, and you know, we'll talk about that. Uh, uh, Blackstone CEO blames cell phone and social media for social for Silicon Valley bank collapse. Huh. He blames the cell phone and social media for the collapse. Huh. We'll talk about that. U.S. money supply plunges, and it's the elephant in the room for markets, according to Nuremberg, Nuremberg, Nomura Holdings, Inc., strategists. Money supply, the shrinking supply of money, M2 they're talking about. And a fixed income expert tells us where to park your cash during the banking issues of crises. I think I already mentioned these things where they said to park the cash, but we'll be a little bit more specific. Okay, so those are things we're going to talk about. But, of course, time permitting, there's also uh, voice bank questions we want to get to, a question about EQT, EQT Corporation, and Archer Daniels Midland Corporation. So hopefully we get to that. And it is Friday, and I'll share highlights from the newest KPP Premium Newsletter. This is coming up at the halfway point of the podcast. So there's the information we got. Lots of stuff we're going to discuss, everybody. Okay, so what happened to the market today? The Dow was up 604 points. We've had a pretty nice week. The Nasdaq up 208 and the S&P up 58. So the market has uh, done decently this week. I'm still not too excited about it, but it feels like to me, and that's I'm just basing it on my, I hate to say how many decades of following the market, <laughs> but based on my experience following the market it feels like the market's trying to work its way to a bottom here and you know we might be seeing a bottom trying to be put in place and no one really knows for sure until we can look backwards and say yeah there it was no one knows i don't know it just feels like it and no one knows so if you read articles or someone tells you oh you got to do something because this is what the market's going to do no you don't know what the market's going to do we have suspicions we have feelings we have intuition but we don't have facts what the market's going to do so let's go ahead and take our first call andrew from philadelphia hi andrew how you doing hi steve i'm doing good how are you thank you i'm doing very well thank you Good. So I was calling about Innovative Industrial Properties, ticker symbol IIPR. I've okay. Been, I've had this on my watch list for a while. It looks like the price has gotten down to some, some support, and I was looking to consider purchasing this stock or, or um, in the near term, I guess. 
Okay. Wanted to get your thoughts. I kind of, you know, REITs have been crushed, right? Real estate investment trusts, right. REITs, have been crushed. And I, I'm kind of a contrarian sometimes, and I'm kind of a contrarian in the fact that some of the REITs I like. I don't like the office REITs. I don't like certain property REITs. But this one is a REIT targets acquisition of industrial real estate assets at or around growing medical use cannabis. I think that's going to a field that's just going to keep growing. So I'm kind of liking the, it, of course, it's fallen from $260, $270 all the way down to $76, right? That's what it is today, $75.99. So it's been crushed. But again, you know, it, it's growing its sales by 20% or more every quarter. Uh, and it pays a very nice dividend, nine percent or so. Uh, return on equity is kind of low, pretty low, and that doesn't make me very happy. But on the other hand, it has very low debt too. Management owns two percent. It's a two billion dollar company, so it's a small cap. Um, Fifty fifty four percent of the company is owned by mutual funds. Uh, but they have been net sellers, not dramatic net sellers, but net sellers for the last year. But for some reason, the cash flow is $7.71 a share. I mean, it's under 10 PE. I'm thinking with a 20% or more growth rate in sales, I kind of like it. Now, did you buy it here? Well, you're rolling the dice if you're buying it here because it's still falling slowly. But it looks like it's trying to go sideways the last week or so. I might wait till it breaks up a little bit before buying it, but um, you know, if you don't buy something that's on sale, when do you buy it? When it's twenty percent overpriced. So I kind of like it, Andrew, but maybe you should tiptoe into it. Don't put a whole position on, but buy a little bit, maybe. You know, just so you'd say, "Hey, I have it, and I'll buy more if it shows some strength and finally, you know, turns around." So. IIPR is a symbol, everybody. So, Andrew, I appreciate the call, and I, I do kind of like it. I do. Um, we are moving to a. We got to move into a fast break. I'm sorry, everybody. Paul from San Francisco, hang on. You will be next on Invest Talk. So, hang on. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Thank you, and I hope to be the 50 millionth download of your incredible show. It is official. As of February 21st, an exciting new InvestTalk milestone was achieved. The InvestTalk podcast exceeded 50 million downloads. How do you guys determine a value stock? 50 million. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. Hey guys, this is Josh from South Carolina. I'm a longtime listener. 24 7, rain or shine, on tough market days or during brighter moments. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to answer your questions. Our now preferred share is kind of a hybrid asset. It's part of the capital structure. You want to buy this what's on sale, and when it gets on sale, it's about $16 a share. $50 million. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Steve Peasley is ready to provide his unbiased answers, so don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Paul in San Francisco. How you doing, Paul? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I, I keep seeing these ads on television about LifeLock, if you might know what that is. It's yes. To prevent somebody from stealing your home, yep. do paperwork. Yes. Can that really happen? Does it happen? How often yes, does it happen? It does happen. Um, they forge your name. They, you know, If they can get enough information from you over the Internet and they can forge your name and your signature, uh, it is possible that they can change the title to them, you know, change the title or pretend they're you and then go borrow money against your house, okay? Borrow money against your house without your knowledge and they put that money in their pocket and they take off. They're gone. That's how that works. LifeLock is by Norton. It's a piece of software by Norton Company, N-O-R-T-O-N, and it protects Anybody accessing your changing or borrowing money against your property, that's not you. Okay, so they 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 uh, it's supposed to be a pretty pretty good way to protect yourself from people stealing your house from underneath you, and you don't even know that it was stolen. Okay, until you try to apply for uh, a loan or a credit check, then you find out, oh, I have a second trustee in my property. I don't either. I don't have a second trustee. Oh, and it hasn't been paid back. It's not being paid. They're in default. Oh, you're you are in default. Yeah. So that's how that works. So you got to be really, you know, cognizant of how that works. So if you need it, I don't know how much it costs. It's not a public corporation or thing, so you can't trade it or buy the stock or anything. Paul, but that's what they do, and that's how they get you. Paul, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's go to Noel in Napa. Noel. Hi, Steve. Good to talk to you. Thank um, you. Yeah, I'm calling about Lumen. I've had it a while, and uh, they've had their problems. I'm wondering if uh, I see they've been involved in a class action lawsuit. And I'm just wondering, do you see anything where that might be winding down and when that's resolved, um, they'll be in a better position? That's their big, is that their biggest stumbling block right now, do you think? Not their biggest, but it is one of them. When that resolves, I think the stock will actually bump up a little bit. The biggest problem is their sales are shrinking. And the sales of the companies is shrinking faster every quarter for the last four quarters. For instance, the most recent quarter, sales shrank 22%. Quarter before that, say, sell shrank 10%. Quarter before that, 6%. So you know, the sales are shrinking. And it's proposed long, long, uh, long exchange, long distance network, yeah, band services to rural communities in 37 states. So that's your sales shrinking, earnings shrinking, and that's got to turn around. So uh, it's very risky. Be careful. We're going to be to do a quick break, everybody. If you're listening to us live via stream, you can call now, or you can call anytime a question comes to your mind and leave it on Invest Talk, the voice bank for Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Now each time. 
time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99 chart. 888-992-4278. Love to hear from you. We want all financial questions. Please call. And let's talk about bond fund investors. Credit risk has suddenly matters. Before, all last year, it was all about interest rates. Interest rates going up because the Fed was pushing interest rates up. Bond funds were going down. Bond values were going down because higher interest rates, lower value of the bonds. Okay? So, now, with the banking crisis we saw just a month ago or so, interest rates rising wasn't the forefront of everybody's mind, but credit risk, because here's two very large banks went under in a day or two, and a week before, they were pretty healthy. They looked healthy. Well, why does credit risk have to do anything? Well, the problem we're seeing is the banks are probably in. Re- I'm talking about all the banks are kind of going to react. They are. They're going to react by being very careful about the credit risk they take when they loan money out. They, you know, they they don't necessarily want to loan money out to high risk uh, customers, and therefore, therefore, bond uh, bond funds who. To, who who have high-risk bonds in their portfolio have been hurt the worst because, remember, as I told you, the opening show, we all look forward, and they're saying, man, that's going to, that means uh, banks are going to tighten up, and these high-risk customers called, we don't, they call them high-yield bond funds or high-yield bonds are going to have trouble getting loans or renewing their loans. Therefore, they might go out of business. See, you know, I'm going way, you know, I'm exaggerating here, but that's that's behind the thinking. So high-yield bond funds or junk bond funds have performed the poorest of all the funds because of credit risk rather than interest rate risk. Okay, it's two kinds of risks there, interest rate risk and credit risk. Okay, there's a third one called default risk, which is really bad. But, you know, um, the credit risk has has changed. And if you look at the best and the worst of the bond performers, you'll see that those the worst performers are the high yield bond funds. They pay the most most interest to you, the customer. You know, they, they do they get high interest rates on their their bonds, but what if those bonds default? You see, so the bond funds themselves, when you buy them, why are they going up and down? Well, they would go down if interest rates go up, but they also will go down if the credit risk goes up. And that's what we're talking about. So what kind of bond funds do you have? You know, a lot of people fall in love with the dividend that's being paid out. And the dividends are really high. Does that mean they have a lot of junk bonds or you know high risk bonds in their portfolio? And those are the ones that are values are going down the most, even though you're getting a good dividend. You know, so you gotta you gotta understand how these bond funds work. You know, what where should you put your money? You know, and if you want no risk, you certainly don't buy a junk bond fund. 
Okay. So how do you know if it's a junk bond fund? Well, there's credit, the fund bonds, all bonds are rated, right? That are issued. And, you know, you want to be, you know, you want to be in the A and triple B plus or higher ratings, triple B plus, single A, double A, triple A, not in the C and D ratings, triple C, triple C minus. Those are very risky. Okay. So let's keep things moving and pivot back to the Investor Voice Bank for questions that come in, came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hello. I was thinking of buying Charles Schwab stock, SCHW. I'm wondering if it's a good opportunity to buy it now or, or wait it out a little longer. Thanks. Bye. Uh, pro, uh, uh, Charles Schwab provides brokerage, banking, and financial services via 30, 360 branches in 48 states. It's a $93 billion company. Uh, it bought TD Ameritrade, so it's going to be even bigger. It's going to be the world's largest discount broker out there. I like it because of the size. And they're going to make more money this year than they did last, only 2% more. But next year, it's going to be 25% more. Sales are increasing uh, the fundamentals look very strong, very strong for Charles Schwab. And the price is $52.38. It was it was $80 not that long ago before the banking crisis. So it's come way down, and it looks like it's found support or near support right around $50. Okay? Problem is it's still falling. So I, I think you wanna, might want to wait a little bit. I'd like to see some kind of strength come into it before you buy it. And, you know, it's a $52 stock, going to make $4.94. So it's like a, you know, 11 PE. And as low as it's ever been in the last five years is 10 PE. Return on equity is very healthy at 17%. So it looks, you know, it looks like a company that you might want to have in your portfolio. It only pays a 1.9% dividend. That That's very disappointing for that size of company. But, you know, it's a good song company. Okay, we will go to break, but, you know, right now, still to come, though, I will share experts from the KPP Premium Newsletter. That will be very soon. And I will also tackle more of your questions, but you got to call me, 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, 
Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hey, Steve, Justin, and now Luke, who's uh, articulate and knowledgeable insights I've enjoyed listening to. Great addition to the team. I'm looking at a company here, EQT Corp, ticker EQT. It's a Marcellus Shale natural gas play. Looks like it recently hit a one-year low in the high 20s. Wondering what you think about this company, its prospects going forward, and what a good buying point would be. It's got about a 2% dividend, mid-cap company. Uh, Seems like a pretty pure natural gas play. Just wondering what you think, and I'll listen on the podcast. Thanks for all you do for us through this very difficult investing environment. Appreciate it. Bye. EQT Corporation out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, engaged in exploration, production, and distribution of natural gas and oil to wholesale retail customers. $11.5 billion size company, so it's more in the larger size. Um, their earnings are going to be $3.49 this year, up 12% from last year. Next year, they're scheduled to go up almost 50% to $5.34 a share, and it's a $31 stock. So, therefore, it makes it a pretty low-priced stock. Um, uh, the five-year P.E. range is 3 to 121, so that's a big band. And based on next year's earnings, it'll be about 6 Okay, but cash flow is $8. $8.02 a share. Debt is pretty darn low. All that's all good. Sales in the most recent quarter shrunk 9%. Uh, it's a volatile kind of stock. I mean, as far as sales and earnings, it kind of jumps around a lot. It lost 19 cents in 2020, but a lot of companies lost because of COVID money back then. Then made 83 cents a share in 2021, $3.11 in 2022. And this year, you know, as I said, three dollars and forty-nine cents. Next year, five, five thirty, five dollars thirty. So it's got some really good trajectory on the earnings, and mutual funds have over doubled in the last year. The holdings—that's a good sign. If mutual funds own sixty-five percent, management owns one percent of the outstanding shares. Sixty-five percent is quite a bit. Um, when it gets up to about that level, 65, 70%, uh, you know, that's about as much sponsorship as you want in a company by the funds because they control the price. They push it up and down when they want to sell. No matter how good the company looks, the price will go down. But I do like the company. It looks pretty healthy. I wish it paid a better dividend. It should. 1.9% is not a very good dividend with the money they're making. They should pay better. Okay, that's EQT, everybody. The KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning. 
So I have a preview for you right now. In the market conditions sections, we explained that as Q1 of 2023 came to a close, the market saw a final week of broadly positive performance with the S&P 500 up 90 basis points midway through the trading day. Um, Much of the week's upward uh, movement can be attributed to the calming of financial headwinds, you know, the banking crisis, that resulted from the collapse of important names of regional lending space, the banks. You know. the, uh, this occurred as fear and uncertainty surrounding the safety of deposits at smaller banks continued to recede, and investors focused on the expected pivot in the Fed policy, meaning, will the Fed stop raising rates? The Commerce Department released in February report on income and spending. This detailed report perf- uh, preferred by the Fed as a gauge of inflation showed prices rising three-tenths of percent in February from January, causing a year-over-year increase of 5%, okay, which is much lower than it was, at 6%. More importantly, however, core inflation, which is, re- which, which is a reminder, excludes, as a reminder, excludes food and energy, rose three-tenths of 1%. Month over month, with the persistent downward trend in inflation, it seems unlikely that the Fed will continue its path of interest rate hikes. That's what we're hoping. And as I've you heard me say, talk about uh, the banking crisis will tighten up standards of banks, and that also will help. You know that that acts like a rise in interest rates because banks will slow down their lending, slow down the economy. Remember, the whole purpose of raising interest rates is to slow down the economy. That's, their, that's their, what they want to do. Of course, there's more uh, in the commentary detail uh, in the newsletter. In the stock ideas section, we highlighted a global healthcare company that develops and markets a broad range of products in the areas of diagnostics, medical devices, nutrition, pharmaceuticals. Headquartered in Illinois, the company serves customers in more than 160 countries and employs over 100,000 people. Big company. It's traded well below both the 50-day and 200-day moving average. It is fundamentally sound business in the healthcare space that can offer a great defensive play during volatile market conditions. Remember, drug companies are very non-cyclical in nature. So the economy falls they, their price of their stock might go down, but their sales don't necessarily fall because you need drugs, you need drugs, right? It's not something you can do without if you're, you know, so that's why they're not cyclical. We also had a leading independent energy company engaged in exploration, development, and production of oil, natural gas, and natural gas liquids, headquarters in Oklahoma City. It has operates in some of the most uh, prolific oil and gas producing regions in North America. The company is committed to, to creating long-term value for its shareholders through disciplined financial management, strategic acquisitions, and divestitures. They have just about $3.5 billion in free cash flow, coupled with low debt, giving them room to handle the economic volatility. This is a company that should be on your watch list. We name names in the newsletter, of course. You can subscribe anytime. Just go to investtalk.com. That's investtalk.com with two T's, no space. Okay? You can subscribe to the newsletter. It comes out every Friday. Uh, it comes out every Saturday. We write it 
finish it on Saturday. 30-year mortgage, this uh, this most recent 30-year mortgage rate is 6.32%. A month ago, it was 66 So housing still is holding up pretty well. It really has not crashed. You know, not like it did in 2008. Remember that one? It, it really crashed. But not this time. It's slowed down and prices come off their highs and all those wonderful things because mortgage rates have gone up. But... It's still okay. Consumer sentiment fell for the first time in four months in March. First time in four months it fell. Uh, 62 is the the number from 63.4. So consumer sentiment is down a little bit. Something you might we we all got to think about. Uh, Blackstone's CEO. Blame cell phone and social media for the Silicon Valley bank collapse. Remember, Silicon Valley Bank is in Silicon Valley, the heart of tech, right, of the United States or even of the world. And he's saying that, you know, because of that, everybody is online and all the social media, everybody's talking about banks and any hint of a bank. Why did the Silicon Valley go under? Not because of anything other than a panic. Run on the bank. And that, of course, was cause for the bank to collapse. It was already having trouble because it had way more long-term bonds, debt, treasuries than it should have. They should have managed their portfolio much better. Other banks did. In other words, you don't just have only long-term, uh, long-term Federal Reserve you know, Treasury bonds which are very safe bonds, but the value of those bonds go down. The longer the maturity date, the further they'll go down as interest rates rise. So the value of the bank value went down sharply because of it, and everybody got scared. Take your money out. Well, then that take money out, that makes it even their finances even worse, and that's what happened. Okay, so he's saying all the social media back and forth, and you know, and very closed, very, you know, of people in Silicon Valley always in touch with each other, and they pretty much that caused the pain, the run of the banks. Well, that's what he thinks. Yeah, it's one of the reasons, probably. Okay, let's grab another listener question. This con, this one came in from Portland at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hello, this is David from Portland. I enjoy your podcast very much. I was interested in your take on Archer Daniels Midland Company, ADM. The charts look like it might be a pretty good buy right now, but I'm a little concerned about how commodities, agricultural commodities might perform if we're going into a recession. I would love to hear your take on Archer Daniels Midland. Thank you guys very much, and I'll be listening to your fine podcast. Can't wait to hear your answer. Thanks. Okay, ADM, uh, Processes and Markets, Agriculture, Commodities, and Process Oil Seed for the Food and Feed Industries. It's a $43 billion company. It's very large. Uh, They made $7.85 in 2022. Here this year, they're estimated to make six eighty-eight. Next year, 672, the 2024. So earnings are going to shrink a little bit. Pays a 2.3% dividend. Sales are still growing. The idea is that inflation will slow. And, of course, a company like this, which is commodities, 
their profits will probably get squeezed when their profits was rising when inflation is high because they can raise prices. They don't have much debt. It's a very solid company, okay? And uh, it, it, the, the P.E. ratio uh, range is 9 to 19 in the last five years. And if it's going to make $6.72 next year, and it's a $79 company, so you're talking about, what, 11 or so, 12 P.E.? So it's not at the bottom of its range, but it's a very good company. 19% return on equity is very good, very, very healthy. Really strong cash flow at $9.94. Management owns 1%, mutual funds 47%, and mutual funds have been net buyers over the last year. Sales are still growing, even though the rate of growth is slowing. Uh, so I like it. Now the question is, is this a good place to buy it? Is, there, is it going to go down more? Well, uh I think it's going to go to the mid-70s. It's at 79 now, so uh, it looked like it went to the mid-70s. 70, yeah, 74 was its low in most recent within the last month or so in March, and now it's coming off. So I, I kind of like it. I, I mean, if you really want to buy it, you buy a little bit here and see if it pulls down and buy some more, okay? But that's, it's a good, solid company. It's one that you can have in your portfolio for a long time. I just think that the uh, commodities, the sweet spot for commodities, were probably past that. That's what I think. Um, they're still good, and there's still value there, and therefore I still would invest in it, but the sweet spot is past. Okay. Um, okay. The two-year treasury, you know on Fridays I always give you some a quick rundown on some of the key benchmark numbers. Two-year treasury... 4.071%. That's the yield on a two-year treasury. Well, last week it was 3.7, so it jumped. 10-year treasury, 3.496%. Last week it was 3.37. So the, the spread, the inverted spread actually went up which is not a good sign, if you want to know the truth. Uh, you, you, you know, we have been inverted for some time, and that is not a very healthy place to be for the economy. An inverted yield curve, meaning short-term uh, bonds, treasury bonds pay more than long-term. But if you want to park money, your cash, you park it in the short-term treasury bonds. You can make more there, even though that's still below inflation rate. You still make more money than in the long term. You wouldn't want to buy long term. Gold was priced at nineteen hundred and seventy dollars per ounce for perspective. Last week it was nineteen hundred and seventy-seven dollars, so down seven dollars. Okay, two weeks ago it was nineteen eighty, ten dollars less. So it's still struggling. Gold, you know, fifty-seven weeks ago was eighteen oh six. So. Hasn't really done much in a year. Up a little. Silver today, $24.97 an ounce. Last week it was $23.12, so it had a nice week. Again, but that one a year ago was $23.94, and now it's $24.97, so just up a little over the last year, too. You know, nothing dramatic. But, it, you know, they're pretty, uh, let's say this, done much better than the market. In that year, right? Much better. Because it didn't collapse. So, yeah, that's how it goes. 
We're talking about gasoline and oil. Oil, $75.46 a barrel. Last week it was 69, so it had a it was up. It was 66 the week before. Three weeks ago, it goes 76. Three weeks ago, it was higher than it is now, but the last couple of weeks, it's risen. And if you go back a year and a quarter or so, it was $66. So now it's 75, 46. It's gone up. And the price of national uh, average for gas uh, was $3.50 per gallon. California, four eighty two, same as last week. We are so screwed. <laughs> we pay so much. <laughs> okay. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, everybody, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue after the break. So get your questions in. We want them. 888-99-CHART. Here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Josh from Northern California. I had a question about Verizon. I bought it a while back, um, primarily for the dividend, but taking a pretty good looking on it overall. So I just wanted to see your thoughts on uh, what the, what, about the stock and also the communication sector as a whole. I uh, appreciate the podcast. Thanks a lot. Well, the whole sector has been under pressure, but we're talking about Verizon, a $163 billion company, and you keep it because of that dividend. The dividend rate now, since the stock has fallen to $38.89, is 6.7%. And their cash flow is $9.25, and it's a $38 stock. The valuation is very good. They're going to make $4.71 next year, $4.70 this year. And that's down from 518 last year, but the dividend is not in danger. And sales growth, you know, it's very, very meek. <coughs> so it's not a, you, you not buy it for that. You buy it for the dividend, and what you can do is put it in your drawer and ignore it, and you'll be fine. You'll make more than inflation on the dividend alone. So I wouldn't worry about it. I really wouldn't. VZ is Verizon Communications. Uh, U.S. money supply plunge is the elephant in the room for stock markets, according to Numura Holdings, Inc. Money supply. Now, remember, the Federal Reserve, the government flooded money supply during COVID, flooded money into the system, right? Well, now they've been pulling out, pulling it out, pulling it out. And year over year, they pulled out 2.4%. Now, that sounds like small. This is M2 we're talking about, money supply, M2. But as you take out money supply, this is not healthy for stock prices to go up. I mean, money supply, money drives stock prices. You shrink that money supply, and stock prices will cease going up. Okay? So, actually, this year might not just shrink, but go negative, okay, in the red for the first time since 1960. Now, this also will kill inflation, but how much damage will it do to the economy? Eventually, you'll see it. We'll all see it. Okay? 
A fixed income expert tells us where to park your cash. And you'll, you know, I talked about this last week, and you'll look, you'll say, oh, that sounds familiar. One is short-term bonds. Huh, uh, who said that? I did. Uh, Low-leverage banks. He like, they like the low-leverage banks, banks that don't have much long-term debt at all, none. He liked, they, he liked, this person liked that. And government money funds. Remember, we talked about that. And I told you to check with your custodian to see if they have any treasury, short-term treasury money market funds, and switch to that because you'll make a, a higher return than regular money market funds, and uh, it'll be safer. I, I just think that's a smart place to be. And this person agrees with that, obviously, because that's what they're suggesting, too. So if you want to just park your cash and leave it alone, well, short-term treasury money market fund is the way to go. Many, many of the big houses, Schwab, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs, many of the big houses have several money market funds. And one of them will be short-term treasury money market fund. So when you open up your account, believe it or not, you did pick a money market fund that you wanted your cash to be in. And, you know, you may have picked it for just the, how much money they pay and yield. And that might be, you know, a, a something that may not be what you want now. I would just stick, and I've always suggested this, stick with short-term treasury money market funds. Okay. I would just do that. Even when the interest rates are zero, you know, I still, because I wanted the safety of those treasuries as opposed to other types. Now, most money market funds don't go under. We only happen once in history. That was 2008. And it lost the, you know, it's pegged to the dollar. Dollar, your money market fund is always at $1, sure. Well, it went to 98 cents for one money market fund. So you didn't get your money that you thought you were going to get. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family member about us. If you would, it's all free. The free podcast downloads have always been free and always will be. Get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes if that's where you download us. It would be very helpful. Okay? Remember to follow Talk on social media. I'm talking about LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. It helps the InvestTalk community. Okay? It does. Independent thinking shares success. This is InvestTalk, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line. 
at 888-99-CHART.